Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Hey, why don't you turn to two or three people, welcome them to church. Why don't you tell somebody, hey, if you knew who I was, you'd take me out to lunch after this, right? Come on. I love it. I love it. I'm excited. Let's give it up for the worship team one more time, man. That was slamming today as always. Beautiful. Today's going to be a great day. We're going to take communion together at the end of service. And so I am excited to do this moment with you guys. And uh, I really felt it was so, so wild last week. Uh, how many of you were just last week for five for five? Everybody just nailed it. It was beautiful. Uh, worship was deep. And it's funny, like this week, God just talked to me about shifting what I was going to do. And today I want to talk about seven things that God does with your sin. And for some reason, I just feel like God wants me to camp on this a little bit. Like let's talk forgiveness of sins. And next week I'm going to talk about how we overcome shame. And so I don't know why the Holy Spirit just shifted me a little bit, but we're going to camp here today. Uh, So I'm going to talk seven things God does with your sins. And then we are going to end today celebrating and worshiping communion together. Is that cool? It really is going to be a beautiful day. I think you're going to get, you're going to get so much out of today as we preach and teach on this one, okay? Um, and, and y'all, this is 10 a.m. The house is packed. It's June 4. That's amazing. Thank you for showing up. Thanks for being beautiful. Thanks for being hungry for God's presence. You guys make this place special. And uh, I wish I was turning 30, but I'm really turning 41. Uh, But my 40s have been better than any other decade so far. So if you're young and you need some hope, so far the 40s have been the best yet, okay? There's there's actually a phrase they said, life begins at 40, and I'm going to hang on to that. I'm having a lot of fun. So now to get things kicked off today, I want to teach, do a little preaching through this, seven things that God does with your sin. But I'm going to open up my life a little bit here and, and just give you a little something. Every Sunday morning, I set an alarm because I don't want to sleep through Sunday morning, okay? But every Sunday morning, I set an alarm to wake myself up. How many of you love your alarms? Not at all, right? I don't, I don't like my alarms at all, right? I'm not a morning person. It takes me three cups of coffee to get saved every day. And so, like, I just, I don't feel happy. Some people, how many of you wake up happy? You just wake up, I don't even like you right now, okay? I, that's not who I am. I don't wake up happy. I don't wake up feeling good. I don't wake up ready for the day. But on Sunday mornings, I set an alarm for myself because I want to be happy and I want to wake up. And so I play this alarm for myself every Sunday morning. Go ahead and hit it. I'm going to give 10 bucks to the person that gets this song, if you can name this song. This is my Sunday morning, every single Sunday morning alarm. This is a blast from the past. Beverly Hills Cop. I'm going to give that man a $10 gift card, okay? Like, I really, I'm going to hit you up. Okay, this is Detective Foley, right? I mean, this is Eddie Murphy at his best. This is Beverly Hills Cop. I'm an 80s baby, so I love this movie. I was five years old watching this movie for the first time, watching people get oozy. My dad should have never watched this movie, but I love this movie it's a, from a little kid on. So this is my Sunday morning alarm every single Sunday morning. This is just true, okay? My wife hates it. She's like, why do you play it? I'm like, because it's fun. It makes me feel good. It reminds me of the good old days, okay? So my personality is like I'm kind of a free spirit. Like I'm kind of like if, I, if you just left me alone to my own devices, I think I could sail and scuba dive and just live on the beach. Like, like some people are like super ambitious. That's not who I am. Like I'm really not. I'm, I'm kind of just a fun kid. I'm a June baby, okay? June babies just want to have fun. Summer babies literally just want to have fun in life. And so like that's kind of who I am. My calling kind of makes me be more serious. This is really true about my personality. But if you left me alone, if God didn't call me, 
and he left me alone, I would just want to have fun and just be chill. Like that's, I'm, I'm kind of lighthearted like that. But I have to put markers in my life to ground me. This is where I'm going to go, okay? I have to put markers for my personality to put me in the ground, in stakes in the ground, and so I don't drift away with my fun personality. I put a marker down. And the Christian life is like that, isn't it? you got to put some markers down in your mind and your soul and in your faith so you don't drift from the truth of this Bible and this book. And this morning, we're going to put a marker down in your mind, in your heart, your spirit, your soul, okay? That's what this is. Seven things that God does with your sin. My prayer today is that this is a marker for your soul. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more here in a second, but that's the intro, okay? What does God do with our sin? Okay, because this is a real thing. The Bible says that everyone has sinned. Everybody. It says if you say you have no sin, the Bible says you're a liar. Everyone has sinned. What does God do with our sin? Number one, if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. He forgives our sin. I'm going to go into that word here in just a second. Number one, he forgives. First John chapter 1, 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us, right? When his word gets in you, you're like, whoa, I've made a mistake and, and I realize I need him. Now, the word forgive in the Greek carries, you know, we are like, hey, I forgive you for talking bad about me. Hey, I forgive you for cutting me off in traffic. Hey, I forgive you for not giving me the hundred bucks back that you owe me, right? And it feels lighter. But in the Greek, it carries this sense of canceling this great debt, removing something from a ledger. It's a little heavier. In other words, if I robbed a bank and then I squandered the million dollars and they caught me, right? And they were like, give us the money back to redo the damage. And I'm like, well, I don't have the million dollars anymore. I, I blew it, right? Like, I, don't, I, I can't make up for the damage that I caused, okay? Now, how many of you know there's, there's something on the ledger, there's something that stands against me? And I can't pay back the million dollars, and so now the penalty is a jail sentence, and I can't give back the money, and now... I can't work hard enough to, to pay it back, and so now I'm in a sentence, and I, I can spend the rest of my life, and I still can never get above the crime I committed. See, when you and I sin, when we've sinned against God, we commit this great crime, but we're never able to pay for the damages of the broken relationship. There's this thing in our ledger, and we cannot make up for it. The Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. My best day is filthy rags to God's holiness. I cannot make up the loss. I can't recover from the loss. I can't repay the damage. There's nothing in the pocketbooks that can pay back to a perfect, loving, holy God that, that I can make up. And so what does God do in Jesus? He puts all of my sin on Jesus. He becomes my atonement, my sacrificial lamb. He becomes my place. He takes my penalty in my place. And God forgives me. And God forgives you. He takes the ledger and he wipes it clean. One of the ways this is used is it's removing the consequences 
of the action. God has removed the consequences. What's the consequence of sin? The wages of sin is death. It's eternal death. It's spiritual death. And God has removed the consequence of our sin. That's one of the greatest things he's ever done. The wages. What's a wage? It's something I've earned. You work for somebody 40, 50 hours a week, and you earn a wage, right? You've earned it. Well, the Bible says that we've, earned, we've committed sin. We've earned death. And God does not treat us that way, right? He forgives. He wipes our ledger clean. It's a heavier word. It's a, it's a weightier tone. God did something for us, church, that we would never be able to do for ourselves. He forgives our sin. The Bible says if we confess, right, we believe in our heart, we ask him, we pray that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and wipe that ledger clean. How many of you think that's just good news right out of the gate here? He wipes the ledger clean. It's a legal term. It's a damage term. It deals with something against me that stands against me in a legal sense, and God forgives it. He wipes it clean. Number two, God removes the guilt my sin produces. Psalms 32, I acknowledge my sin to you. This is David praying, and he said, I did not cover up my iniquity. I confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now, some of you know King David's story, one of the most amazing people in the Bible, and he had a really, really bad moment. Very godly man overall. God said, this is a man after my own heart, right? I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful thing to say about somebody. He loved God. He worshiped God. Uh, he defeated Goliath. He won many battles. I mean, he, he was called clearly anointed by God, and he had a really bad moment. He had a bad season. Listen, I have learned that good people can have bad seasons sometimes. And it doesn't mean they're unredeemable monsters. It doesn't mean that they're not recoverable. But good people can have bad days. And David had a bad season, man. And he, he saw a lady bathing, and he's like, I want to sleep with her. And he calls for her. You know, we always call it an affair. It probably wasn't. It was more like an abuse situation because when the king calls you, there's no court. to You can't call CNN. There's, no, there's nothing. Like, it, it was, so it was probably more of like an abuse situation. And so he sleeps with her. She gets pregnant, and he's like, I got to cover up my sin. And so he has her husband killed in battle. And so he basically has an affair, like this abuse scenario, and then he kills her husband to cover up for it. And then he marries her, and he's got a lot of guilt from it now. That's a good person doing a dark thing, right? That's a heavy one. These are heavy, heavy sins. These are, these are dark, gross, horrible sins that he commits, right? And when God forgives him, God removes the guilt of his sin. And why do I bring up his story today? Because if God can forgive that and remove the guilt of that, don't you think God can forgive and remove the guilt of your sin? That's what I want you to see. If God can do that, don't you think God can remove the guilt of your sin as well? Our God is so good that he cannot leave you in guilt. And guilt is okay sometimes. Listen, if you feel guilty for something you've done and it brings you to Christ, that Bible calls that godly sorrow. That's okay. That's okay to feel guilty for something that you've done as long as you take that guilt, you turn it into godly sorrow, and you come to God. But when you ask God to forgive you and you are washed by the blood of Jesus and God wipes your ledger, he's so good that he cannot leave you in guilt and shame. And next week I'm going to talk more about shame, but I wanted to hit guilt. Number three, God restores the relationship sin destroyed. The, the very first and most important relationship that gets ruined by sin is you're in my relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. Sin fractures 
that relationship. Isaiah 59, 2, your sins have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 5. I love this. God has done all this. He has restored our relationship with him through Christ and has given us this ministry of restoring relationships. In other words, God was using Christ to restore his relationship with humanity. He didn't hold people's faults against them. He has given us this message of restored relationships to tell others. Therefore, we are Christ's representatives, and through us, God is calling you. We beg you on behalf of Christ to become reunited with God. What a beautiful verse. What is this whole thing about? We're telling people, I've been reunited with God, and I want you to be reunited with God. The message of Christianity is not we got it all figured out, we're perfect and we're better, let's tell the world what a mess they're in. No, the message is we've been reunited with God through the forgiveness of his son, and we want you to be reunited with God as well. How many of you are like, that is like really legit good news? This is why this whole thing is called good news. Your sins have been dealt with. God restores the relationship that, that sin destroys. I have a picture. This is called Kintsugi. And I've used this before. It's been, it's been like a year or so. So I, I love this in, in Japanese culture. When a pot breaks, sometimes what they do is they'll put it back together, but they mix gold in that plaster when they put it back together. And now the new pot is worth more than the original pot ever was. Y'all, this is what God did to our lives in Jesus Christ. He put us back together, but he put us back together in a more beautiful, more expensive, more elaborate way than we ever were before. And everything that sin broke relationally, God is able to put back together with him. Amen? So, Kintsugi, this is us. This is us getting put back together by by Jesus. Number five, a few more. We're going to take communion together. He cleanses us from our sin. Psalms 51, this is David again. Have mercy on me, God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my wickedness and guilt and cleanse me from my sin. I love this in Isaiah 1. Come now, let's settle the matter, says God. Though your sins are like scarlet, they're going to be white as snow. They're red like crimson. They will be like wool. Sin has this wild ability to infect our souls, our minds, our hearts, you know, and one of the byproducts of sin is just being twisted into something that you're really not. And when God forgives you, God cleanses you from sin. That is a beautiful thing. He loves us so much. He's like, I will not leave you in the darkness of that sin. I will wash you and I will cleanse you and I will bring you back into a right relationship. First John 1 7, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so if you're a believer here today and you've asked God to forgive you and you're like, Pastor, I just feel like I can't shake this sin. I feel so dirty. Could I remind you of a promise today that God promised to cleanse you from that sin and restore you? Amen. A few more here. I love this one. He forgets your sin. He forgets your sin. God has the ability to wipe something from his mind. I've asked God before. I'm like, God, why don't you do that to us too, right? And I, I, it would be awesome. Just wipe my mind too. But I think God leaves it on the earth so we get wiser. I wonder. Sometimes I wonder if that, like, man, maybe I don't want to think about it all the time, but when I do think about it, I'm reminded of the goodness of God, what I've been saved from. And it also gives me some wisdom, right? But God wipes it. 
from his mind. Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Hebrews 8, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. I love this, Micah 7, 19. He again will have compassion on us. He will subdue and tread underfoot our wickedness, destroying sin's power. Yes, you will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. I love that. My pastor used to say, God throws your sins in the sea of forgetfulness and posts a no swimming sign. Right? Come on. If God saved you from the sewers, don't go for a swim. If God forgave you and cleansed you and wiped it from his mind, he posts a no fishing sign, just don't go back there. Amen? God wipes it from his mind. He forgets it. A couple more. He doesn't treat us according to our sins. I love this number six. He doesn't treat us according as our sins deserve. This comes from Psalms 103. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Guys, God does not consult your past before he decides to promote you. God does not interview your ex before he decides to bless you. Come on, somebody. This is good news. God doesn't look back 20 years ago to plan the next 20 years of your life. When you come to Jesus and you ask him to forgive your sins and to cleanse you, God wipes it. He removes the ledger. He cleanses you. And now his plans get to be engaged in our lives, not according to our sins, but according to his goodness. God doesn't treat us according as our sins deserve. How many think that's really good news? Because you know God's been a lot better to us than we've been to him. That is beautiful news. Number seven, the last one, and we'll receive communion. He nailed our sin to the cross of Christ. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So when the enemy tries to bring up your sins, be like, listen, I, I hear you, but what you're talking about, that's not on me anymore. That is on the cross of Christ. Where's my sin? It is nailed to the cross of Christ. Where's that past? It is nailed to the cross of Christ. In that moment, God took everything that you did that was wrong, that was selfish, that was evil, and he took it and he nailed it to the cross of Christ. Where Jesus hung, where he was naked, where he bled, and the moment you ask God, God, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, wipe me, Man, that sin was condemned, but it was condemned on the cross. Jesus took the punishment for you. He took your sins for you. God kept you and killed the sins so that you and I don't have to live in this constant state of death and judgment and condemnation and fear. Does anybody hear what I'm teaching this morning? There is this wild amount of freedom because of the cross of Christ. Where is your past? Where are the mistakes? Where is the sin? They're crucified on that cross. They have been nailed to the cross of Christ, and they are not on your life anymore. And this is why the Bible says, man, it is the gift of God, not that anyone can boast. I can't earn this. I can't make this happen for me. I can't wash myself. But when God forgives us, it is complete, it is real, and it is the most powerful thing in the universe. 
How do you have a fresh start today? You come to Christ. How do you have a new beginning? You come to Christ. How, how do the sins get forgiven? You come to Christ. Come on, God's not being exclusive. He's being specific. God is saying, you want a new beginning? Come to my son, because this is where I've nailed your past to. This is where I've nailed the sins to. I had a professor in college, and he said, you know, when the enemy tries to remind me of, of my past, I simply tell the devil his future. I love that. Because he's getting judged. He ain't going to make it, right? But we are. Why? Because God has nailed my sins to the cross, but he kept me, and he kept you today if you're in Christ. Let's stand today. Now let's celebrate communion. Are you ready? Oh, come on, church. Are you ready? I need to preach this again next week, I think. I know today was a simple teaching, but this is a stake in the ground for us. This is, this is why the Bible says, like, who can condemn, right? Who can bring an accusation against God's chosen kids? You can't. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What a thought. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But Christ has made us new. That's what the church is. It's a bunch of people that were lost in their sin, who have been forgiven by the blood of Christ, whose sins have been nailed to the cross, that stand together, reunited with their heavenly Father, in love and in righteousness and in faith, telling the world, yo, you need this because we all need this. Amen. All right, let's receive communion together and then we're going to worship as we close today. In that heart of being forgiven, and man, again, this is something we all need. In the heart of being forgiven, in the heart of what God has done on the cross of Christ, in the heart of God cleansing us. The Bible says on that night, right, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. God had his son's body be broken so you and I could be made whole. And the wholeness and the healing of God, man, that'll just go through your whole life and rebuild you. Life breaks us all, but God is in the rebuilding business. God is in the wholeness business. He's in the love business. He's in the faith business. He's in the restoration, reconciliation business. This is who God is, and this is what he does. And he paid for it with the broken body of Christ. With that in mind, let's partake the bread together. Father, thank you for the broken body of Jesus. Thank you, God, that you had your son go through all of this so we could be restored back to you, that our sins could be forgiven, that we could be washed, that we could be cleansed, that we could be made new, and we could be made whole by this broken body. And the Bible says on the night that he took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. This is the grace of God. This is the goodness of God. This is why we come together and we don't sacrifice animals anymore, right? The perfect sacrifice has come. God's perfect lamb was slain. Power now has been released to make people new and to forgive sins and to wash and to cleanse, to bring about God's goodness and his plans in our lives. This was all accomplished by the blood of Christ. 
So with that heart and mind, let's drink together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your spilled blood. Thank you that it is your sacrifice that cleanses us. God, thank you for the forgiveness of sins. In fact, with all eyes closed for a moment real quick, and you just want to reach out of faith, and you're just like, God, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean today. I needed today's message. Just lift your hand real quick. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's going to be a chunk of us. I love it. Lord, thank you for newness. You see all these hands going up. Thank you for the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. Thank you for new beginnings and fresh starts. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for us, things that we could never, ever do for ourselves. We're trusting you today to do for us. Guys, let's worship together as we close today. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.